Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Hey, everybody. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And we are so uh, just blessed, hashtag blessed, <laughs> to have special guest Chandler Poling from X Reads Podcast back. <laughs> Chandler, say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me back. It's always, always a pleasure. You guys are a gas. What a blessing. We're also a solid and a liquid. Um, So today we are doing, it's another installment of Class X. So what is Class X, you ask? Class X X is the crash course on comics history that helps you look like you're the smart one when talking about the latest superhero issues, TV, or movies. And so today we're going to talk about Destiny, a.k.a. Irene Adler, a mutant with precog powers, meaning she can accurately predict the future but we'll find out that she can rarely do that in the comics mm. that we read. Uh, she's been dead longer than she was alive and kicking, but even in death, she's played a significant role in X-Men lore. And the reason we're focusing on Destiny is because there's a very good chance that we're going to see her and her surviving wife, Mystique, in this week's X-Men number 20. Homo Superior and friend of Pod Chandler uh, read a bunch of issues that cover her life, her legacy, who is Legacy, though, and her importance in the current X-Day books. So before we get into the discussion, I want to ask you all, describe Destiny in one word. So Chandler, I'll start with you. Sexy old lady. That is three words. <laughs> He's the guest. He gets as many as he wants. Hey, hyphenated. Uh, hyphenated. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say elusive. Ooh, Ooh. That's a good one. I'm going to say refrigerator. Ooh. Mm. Um, I had... I, did, I don't mean this pejoratively, but I had ol, uh, older, it's, it was a surprise to me at how old she was, <laughs> but she's still great. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, lesbian. <laughs> Wait, where, did you, that one. where did you True. think you were going to end when you said les? Yes. Way to reduce I don't really know. To one thing. <laughs> I don't really well, her her sexual orientation is very important to her, and none of y'all mentioned that, so I wanted to be the one to say it. So um, the way we're going to do today uh, is uh, we've broken it out into three sections, her life up to her death, uh, right after her death and her legacy, and then uh, her current importance to the, to, to the Hickman run, the Dawn of X and Reign of X book. So I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to talk about the 10-year period, give or take, that covers her introduction uh, to her death specifically these issues, uh, Uncanny X-Men uh, numbers 141 to 142, 199, 226, 254, and 255, Avengers Annual number 10, which is also the first appearance of Rogue, X-Factor uh, number 9, and New Mutants number 65, and these are all the original runs uh, of these books for those of you who are keeping track at home. So first introduced during the iconic Days of Future Past storyline, Destiny served as a member of the second in- incarnation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's the one led by Mystique and the ones with Pyro, Avalanche, and Blob. In those issues, she's referred to as Mystique's friend because the Comics Code Authority wouldn't allow for the explicit portrayal of homosexuality. The Brotherhood's... Exactly, boo. The Brotherhood's mission in those issues is to assassinate Senator Robert Kelly, and if they'd been successful, it would have led to the dystopia seen in the future parts of Days of Future Past. To prevent that, an adult Kate Pride travels back from the far future of 2013 Ugh. to the present of 1980, uh, inhabits her younger self, and warns the X-Men, hey, stop the Brotherhood. Uh, because of her temporal shift, and despite it being her first appearance, Destiny's powers go a bit wonky every time Mystique asks, hey, what's going to happen? <laughs> so during the Brotherhood's mission, uh, Destiny nearly kills the senator, but Kate phases through her, uh, and she goes all haywire because, you know, this Miss Pride is a temporal anomaly. The X-Men win and technically prevent the dystopia from happening, or so we think. Uh, with the exception of Mystique, the Brotherhood is captured and sent to Rikers Island. So uh, let's move a few months later. Accompanied by Rogue, Mystique breaks the Brotherhood out of prison and attacks the Avengers. Here, Destiny is probably the most useful she, she's been while she's alive. She acts as, as tactical support and preventative defense for the rest of her team, and they're almost successful. Rogue doesn't stay with the Brotherhood very long. She joins the X-Men in case you missed it. 
And Mystique makes a deal with the U.S. government, specifically Val Cooper, to transform her team into Freedom Force, uh, America's official superhero team. And the first mission is to take out Magneto, who uh, has allied himself with the X-Men for the first of very many times. During the fight with Mags and the X-Men, Destiny acts again as tactical support, but is easily taken out by Kitty Pride. Following Magneto's capture, trial, and eventual acquittance, Freedom Force goes after the original X-Factor. They end up in the Morlock tunnels below Manhattan, and in the middle of the fight, Destiny tells Mystique to retreat, otherwise Freedom Force and X-Factor will be killed, which is exactly what happens to the Morlocks during the Mutant Massacre storyline. Soon thereafter, Freedom Force and the X-Men team up to take on the adversary, a demon summoned by Forge. Destiny foresees the death of uh, the X-Men during the fight, and die they do, except they're brought back by Roma of Otherworld. They decide to let the world think they're dead and relocate to Australia, thereby setting up the beloved Outback era. While fighting uh, the New Mutants, Destiny basically previews the Inferno storyline by predicting that Ileana Rasputin will succumb to her dark child persona, which she of course does. And then during a mission to fight the Reavers on Muir Island, Destiny is killed by Professor X's son, Legion, who at the time was being possessed by the Shadow King. So that covers about 10 years worth of appearances by Destiny. So question for all of y'all. It's kind of a a two-part question. One, what do you think of Destiny so far? And is she just a plot device or does she have agency as a character? So Chandler, let's start with you. Sure. Uh, Well, I think that she is obviously a major plot device because she doesn't get a lot of personality in these issues. She just gets a lot of one-liners that direct people to do things. Um, I don't know so much about her agency so to speak but i do think she is rather successful in her predictions you know obviously the and the kitty pride from the future threw her off her game but she was pretty on point i think in that battle in particular she was giving the tactical support like she did in the avengers where she was saying to attack in this direction or in this direction to to stop nightcrawler or like you know he's going to teleport there whatever so i feel like she was really on it in those issues And um, it wasn't until later, which we'll get into, where I felt like I really got into her personality and her kind of dreams and goals and all that sort of stuff. Clark? Um, I I feel like she is constantly, to me, make not excuses, but if any character is slightly like wrong for her, (laughs) she's totally fucked. If magic is anywhere near her, it ruins her powers. If Rachel Gray is anywhere near her, ruins her powers. If Jean Gray is anywhere near her, ruins her powers. If Catherine Pride shows up, ruins her powers. It's like, how have you been able to, spoilers, write these journals, these diaries, and if you, we'll talk about it a little bit, and have like, how many people have fucked up your, your vision that makes, none of it makes goddamn sense. I don't understand how any of her, any of her powers work if anybody can fuck it up. Um, uh, Chandler, what's your what's your time? I was just saying. So, are you saying that all of the diary entries you wrote when you were a teenager, you still remember them word for word? No, I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm just saying. I, did. I didn't have anybody ruining my abilities, so all those were right, and everything that happened in my diaries still are true. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> um, Ryan. The other. Oh, go ahead, Clark. She is a total plot device, device in every possible way. They have to knock her out two minutes into every single fight or like she would say too many other things. It's like embarrassing. Right. She's just like, Oh, we have to stop her. Oh, she got hit immediately. What are we going to do? Let's have her sleep for the next uh, 15 pages of this comic. The only, there's one time, and this is the last thing I'm going to say before you guys switch over one time where she has character or, or, or any sort of personality in this first chunk is when she basically just says, I fucking hate spiral. Right. Yeah. Like, don't that hurt anybody it. else but you can fuck that bitch up yeah finally like, something we can all so she is a plot device especially in these early issues and it's it's sad because she could be more but uh anyone that predicts the future unfortunately that's where they go to sometimes especially in most storylines but with that all said she has such a cool character design that you're like well this bitch will be back because you're like i really am intrigued by her for some and when you speak in riddles just talk to the riddler like you're gonna come back and like be very popular so i think there's an intrigue even in these early issues with her that made you want to flesh her out 
And I think you can say that with a lot of these early comics, just like you don't, <laughs> there's someone that has a terrible name and you don't know anything about their powers or anything. So you just get a little snippet, but you want to know more about them. And that's what early comics are unfortunately about sometimes, but you're, you're looking to get a little bit more from her. So I think they gave that in a good way where you wanted to know more about her. And I can't wait to see what happens to her. Caelan, what do you think? <laughs> well, let's, well, Adam, make your point And then yeah, uh, I'm I was gonna say, tell you your point. Sorry. The design was so great. And then the characterization was so limited. I actually thought she was like a robot. That's why my one word <laughs> summary of her oh, was God. like surprisingly older. Cause this whole time with like her whole face mask and everything, I was like, oh, fucking sick. Like she actually looks like she's part of the Shi'ar to me, I think in many cases. And then I was like, Oh, okay. It's that's I know that I've seen her before and I've even seen Beneath the Mats before, but rereading all this stuff or reading for the first time, I was like, oh, cool. But that Clark, the spiral thing is what stood out to me the most. I was like, okay, she's a cool bitch. Like I'm in. <laughs> Chandler, go ahead. Well, just on the topic of her design, because that was my description of sexy old lady. So when you know when you first see her, she is you know, in her civilian clothes in that kind of green room with the brotherhood. And you see that she's obviously, I think 70 plus in this, at least drawn that way. I don't know yeah. if she's technically that old in this moment, but, and then you, she, you cut to her costume and it's like full of cleavage and she's wearing like the panty line with high boots and obviously her crazy helmet and, and cape. But I was like really happy for her. I was like, way to go old lady. Don't know much about you, but you obviously have a rocking body. You're not afraid to show it. And I, you know, more power to Irene. She, right. She's full on little Edie in this right now too. Like before little Edie was a thing. So I applaud her <laughs> for doing it first. She did it first. She did it first. She did. Kaylin. So, um, New Mutants number 65 is one of the issues that we read, and I regularly started collecting the X-Men during Inferno. I, my, my very first issue was uh, Uncanny number 199, also part of this batch of issues, and uh, I was on Chandler's podcast uh, a few months ago talking about that. But what was really kind of got to me was um, New Mutants number 65 came out, I think, in like 1987, and Inferno started in 1988, and Destiny previews Inferno. She predicts that all these demons are going to come out of limbo and attack Earth. And to me, that blew my mind because that's the first time I realized that storylines receded so much further in the past mm -hmm. to like to, for them to play out later. And it made me like just realize like how complex and amazing the X-Men mythos was. And Destiny, uh, with a prediction of magic, was a huge part of that. Uh, and I didn't even realize that until now remembering reading these issues. So like, that's just, that's, that's what destiny meant to me. Chandler. Well, on that point of knowing things that are happening much further in the future for the Marvel writers. Um, one thing that caught my eye, which I don't think is true at all, but in uh, uncanny X-Men 254, where she has the vision of her own demise, um, and everybody's crystal and the whole world is crystal is it made me think of the age of apocalypse, how it made everything mm. turn into crystal. But I don't think they had that in mind <laughs> in whatever, 84 or whenever 80, <laughs> 80, what, I don't maybe it was 88, but either way, like, cause they, they've admitted that age of apocalypse is inspired by X-Men, the animated series, which didn't come out until, you know, 92. 92. Yeah. No, but, uh, like, what do you think what do you think the crystal is is in reference to do you think they had had plans for crystal crystalline superheroes well could it be the, like related to macron stuff or did that happen before or after that event? I mean, do you think it transitioned into steven universe and as some sort of separate other fan fiction sure. that i've just pre-written in my head <laughs> That's a comic book, dot, like a CBR article waiting to happen. Like, you'll flip when you find out what was the next series. Oh, yeah. Well, I want an article article to come out where she's predicting everything. Where it's like, yeah, she did say 9-11 would have, like, just everything. Like, it can all be, be brought back to Irene, you know? Yeah. Uh, I do agree with Clark that she's very much a meteorologist. And this is true of any, like, show that has a precognitive 
same thing with speedsters, right? Like the minute you have that level of unparalleled ability, they have to like constantly find ways to make sure the heroes don't have that unparalleled ability because it just ruins any sort of sense of drama. I did like, I mean, she was best when she was tactically uh, adapted. I did that. I thought that was really cool during the Avengers where she's like, dodge right here, shoot right there. I'm like, okay, this is cool. She's so fucking like slick. Uh, but yeah, her longer term visions, besides the journals we'll talk about, I feel like, you know, she was already sort of just like, mm, maybe check in later. <laughs> it's weird that my favorite issue of hers is the Avengers annual and not anything that happened in, in <laughs> at all. Cause she, I, I felt like she was a, a functional character, at least did something interesting to me as opposed to just passively saying something, what's going to happen maybe. Or maybe not. Or it's too fuzzy, it, it's yeah. Adam's point, ask again later. Um, so I mentioned, uh, you know, um, because of the Comics Code Authority uh, during the 80s when most of this stuff was happening, uh, there, there could be no explicit uh, mention of her relationship with Mystique. She's often referred to as her friend. What did you guys think about that? I mean, especially reading it now from a modern lens, uh, especially how queer the X-Men books are right now, and all five of us being gay men, um, but just curious to get your take. Uh, so Chandler, we'll start with you. Well, I wanted to just point out that it wasn't it wasn't until 199 that I really it dawned on me, you know, like because it, it it wasn't really that much implied. They were essentially just you know friends slash coworkers. And then once I saw them like living together and like you know because like um mystique wakes up from a dream walks downstairs and destiny's waiting for her in her kitchen and i was just like wait a minute are these roommates you know like <laughs> i i really started it started dawning on me and so then i i was kind of in the mode of being like well obviously they're together and you know closer than just co-workers and then it wasn't until dawn of x that we or i guess house of x or whatever whichever one that where she finally says my wife my wife my wife yeah, i was like and say like, it right <laughs> and like why did we have to wait so long you know 2020 to hear that come out of her mouth i don't know but i'm happy it happened kayla i do like Clark. in your original write-up you said and her surviving wife mystique all i wanted to yeah. be like how many lives has she had like she has some <laughs> I'm she's lived she lived a really full life it seemed like at least outside of the comics that she's mostly dead in so Re reading this now I don't think if I was a kid I would have noticed would have noticed anything off like rereading this now I didn't even really realize they were lesbians in their early run at all like I, I when you talked about the going downstairs thing for some reason, my brain was like, oh, they all just, you know, they all live in a house together. You know, they're a she, team. Like, she just knows how she likes they all live together. Yeah. I didn't really think about, I don't know. I don't know. I just, it, it just still felt like there's just happens to be two women in a house sometimes. I don't know. Kaylee. Go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. No, I was going to say they're very much the roommates on supermarket sweep is what my takeaway was. <laughs> uh, I was like, but I, this yeah, is my I, roommate, and then immediate looks at them very <laughs> angrily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could also have been like the Golden Girls because they both are older and they were roommates, and that was like that era as well. Uh, but I, I remember reading somewhere uh, about how even though they were confined by you know a very conservative like editorial regime uh, as well as the Comics Code Authority creators like Chris Claremont and Louise Simonson were really trying to push the envelope uh, about, you know, trying to show as much queerness in the X-Books as possible. Obviously, Destiny and Mystique, as we've talked about, uh, Storm's uh, affair with Yukio, uh, you know, was definitely implied. Um, Northstar, you know, I mean, eventually came out in the early 90s with a Scott Lobdell issue uh, of Alpha Flight. But even during like uh, when he was introduced in uh, Uncanny X-Men and in the uh, John Byrne Alpha Flight series, it's heavily implied that he is gay. Um, it just took a little while for them to come out. So um, it's kind of cool that we uh, we were able to like have writers who were allies essentially in trying to portray these, uh, you know, these queer characters as best they could under a very restrictive regime. So uh, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Clark, who's going to talk us through the next section of Destiny. Yes, so I'm doing 
all the stuff after she's dead. Um, I'm not doing all of them. There's a lot of stuff where she shows up for all of like a page or something in someone's flashback. But anyways, this is going to be Extreme X-Men where she is a flashback. Um, so it's Extreme X-Men number one, X uh, Necrotia number one, the one shot. And then X-Men Legacy 231, 232, and 233. And then Death of Wolverine, the Logan Legacy, 700 other words in that sentence, number six. <laughs> Um, I've edited what I've sent you guys, so it's going to be quite different. All right, anyways. Irene Adler is a corpse moldering in the sun, a fetid, bloating mass of meat and gore. Her flesh is blistered and leathery like if beef jerky was actually made from cold sores. While walking through the cemetery last, cemetery last weekend, I stopped in my tracks. Before me was the grave of Irene Adler. I knew just what to do. Some treasure must certainly be buried within, I said, picking up the magic sack I own. Then... Oh, Chandler, so you don't know, I own three badgers, and their names are Mr. Squishy, Flavia, which is just short for flavorful labia, and then the other one's Brent. And he's on the past cast because he's dead now and covered in dirt, digging up this corpse for me. And that's just what they did. I took the rusty crowbar and pried the co coffin open. I slammed once, twice, three times by waves of malodorous combination of expired meat, rotten eggs, and the kind of shit you poop when you've only eaten broccoli for three days. In Extreme <laughs> X-Men number one, written by the ghost of Chris Claremont with art by Salvador LaRocca, a bad team of X-Men are in a boring mission to find and collect Destiny's diaries, which are just, of course, the journals of Tampa, Florida stripper Ryan Destiny Kroll. Page <laughs> tells the team Destiny's origin story. She grew up in an, undisclosed, in an undisclosed year, and by 13, she developed her mutant powers. For the next 13 months, she wrote 13 diaries, containing the future of the entire world. But now she was blind. On top of that, her diaries were filled with unknown images, ciphers, and images and languages. So to figure it all out, she hired the best person she knew how to do it, a linguist, supposedly, named Mystique. <laughs> the pair tried to make events match those in the diaries, but they kept fucking shit up. The exasperation made Mystique become a jerk, so says the comics. Meanwhile, in the present day, a joyless Steven Seagal looking nobody motherfucker named Vargas is also looking for the diaries. <laughs> Later in the series, Gambit burns them all. However, in Chaos War X-Men, Destiny's ghost takes possession of a deceased Shi'ar golem Moira McTaggart and uses one of the diaries to help stop Mikabashi, the Japanese god of chaos. And what? that's a sentence that all of us have said every day since then happened. In Ex Necrosia, Selene, the Black Queen, uses the transmode virus and her own black magic to resurrect millions of dead mutants in a bid to become a goddess. Selene asks Destiny, a lady whose grave I had recently desecrated, if she would succeed at godhood, and Destiny gives her the usual excuses before kind of saying yes. Destiny is placed in a prison cell where she telepathically communicates with a young X-Men seer, blindfold, calling her daughter, and then realizing she's given her some bad information. In the Ex Necrosia tie-in, X-Men Legacies 231 through 233, written by Mike Carey with art by Clay Mann, who I am very attracted to. Blindfold tells Cyclops about her meeting with Destiny. There's a spike of mutant activity on Mirror Island and X-Men need to get on over there. Meanwhile, Destiny escapes her cell. While all of their friends are fighting thousands of undead mutants, Blindfold and an X-Team too powerful to have wasted their time with this, including Magneto, Rogue, Colossus, Nightcrawl, and Psylocke, go to Mirror Island. Destiny appears to blindfold and reveals that it's all a trap. Moira's son, Proteus, has taken over Dest Destiny's body when she was revived, clouding and manipulating her visions. Blindfold touches Destiny for some reason, and Proteus transfers himself to her. And as we should expect by now, Destiny is out fucking cold for most of the story. <laughs> uh, Proteus slash blindfold beats them all up and mind controls everyone except Rogue and Magneto. Rogue uses the knife to, psionic knife to remind um, to excuse me, remove everyone's mind control while Magneto disperses Proteus's bits. Destiny and Rogue chat. Destiny apologized for not having the chance to say goodbye before she died. They say some I love yous. Rogue calls her mom. They watch the sunset. It's all very sweet. Destiny then talks to Blindfold, saying she's her ancestor of hers, maybe great-grandmother. Destiny states that she was trying to contact her adopted daughter, Rogue, but the blood relationship between Destiny and Blindfold was stronger, which is a very nice final message to all adopted people. <laughs> Selena's thwarted. Um, so back into the cold gold ground goes Destiny. Death, uh, final one, Death of Wolverine, the Logan Legacy number six by James Tinian IV and art by Andy Clark, wherein Wolverine is dead and Mystique needs to figure out what she's gonna do about it. 
Madripoor, 1974. Mystique was murdered a bunch of, has murdered a bunch of folks and now owns 66% of the real estate on the island. Destiny and Mystique patter on excited for the future until that brute Wolverine shows up. He's called the feds on them to shut them down, started a gang war that's burning all their cash and told the police that she's a murdering fraud. Um, back to the living at a flop house now, Mystique calling Destiny the only person she's ever cared about asks her to find a strand of future where Wolverine can't stop them. In the present, a letter from poor dead moldering in her grave, Destiny, sends Mystique to a S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters where she murders everyone so she can get a cassette tape. It's of Destiny with advice on how she can best take advantage of Wolverine's death. Clearly, this all amounts to nothing because it's never followed up on again and Wolverine comes back from the dead. The end. <laughs> Question. Wait, slow clap, clap. 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 <laughs> I'm kind of dog barking at But just to keep it at a slow clap. Yeah, never, never pick um, up. Mark, uh, so you, in the way that Irene Adler went blind trying to understand what she was seeing um, and writing it down, I went deaf hearing <laughs> what you just said right now. Um, I hope, I hope for the, I because, hope the and, and honestly, some of it was true. Some of, most of it was not, uh, a lot of it was corpses, but, uh, Brian, but you are, there, was there a question in there at the end? I'm just very confused by that. No, I just said what happened. Okay. Cool. It ended with nothing and, and nothing's yeah. None of that was followed up on, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of loose ends to say the least. <laughs> anyway. So, anyway. Uh, well, I do have a question for all of y'all. Uh, based on what Clark just said, do you think Destiny is more valuable dead as part of X-Men yeah. lore than she has been alive? That also ties into the um, another question I was going to have is why did they kill her off? Precog, like I said, precogs are, are too overpowered. And I also, I'm actually kind of, I think it makes sense for the content that they've been obviously generating over the, I don't know, 30 plus years. What I do kind of get sad about, and like you said it, obviously, Clark, in your one word, she's fucking refrigerated. Like, yeah. there's never an experience where we actually get to see Destiny grow the relationships that she has with Mystique, with Rogue. I do really, th I thought that was a really cool exchange uh, in X-Men Legacy, because I had, I had never really read a chunk of the older content where rogue obviously was really still with them and i actually didn't even know that she had considered both of them mothers or that both of them would consider themselves mothers in some capacity to rogue so i i think that was another obviously that was like later comic series but i do think that added a lot more continued layers to the actual relationship that mystique and irene had i'm just sort of annoyed that they haven't been given an opportunity especially even in House of X, which we'll talk about later, that kind of run and Hickman's run to grow. Cause like it's now it's, she's continually still just a plot device rather than a character with any sort of growth and development. And, and really all they can do is bring her back to old plot lines that are, you know, are still like eighties based kind of thing. So, uh, Kayla. So, uh, two things, one, um, rogue originally, and I don't know if this is still canon or not, both Mystique and Destiny are her parents. Mystique took the form of a man and uh, Destiny was the actual mother who like carried her to term. Oh. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's still true, but I know at one point that was part of, part of the backstory. Two, um, the question that Clark asked about like why they killed her off, I don't know if I can, there's no way to prove this now, but um, she was killed off in basically Claremont's last year of his first run of the x-men and i do know that like there was a lot of editorial interference between with like his kind of last year last couple of years before he was he left the books um where he was supposed to like clear a lot of the decks for what marvel really wanted to make make the x-men more of a commodity as we started seeing in the 90s like thinking about the era of the the blue clark you okay there uh the blue and the gold uh uh, uh, eras. Um, so um, I think, like, if you think about, like, how um, a lot of the Hellfire Club folks were, like, taken out in this era. 
Clark, you good? Just keep going. Right. I just charged my phone. There's always a okay. and readily available to you. <laughs> yep. Um, the, uh, the uh, like, you know, with the Black King, uh, Sebastian Shaw, like Emma Frost, all kind of taken out. A lot of the stuff, the mythos that Claremont had built up in the early 80s started being kind of wiped away for like the upstarts and like, you know, other other villains to come in. So I, I wonder if that was part of the, the thing, uh, part of the, the thinking behind it. And when Claremont came back for Extreme X-Men, he wanted to kind of go back to, 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 to Destiny and like really kind of mine her, her diaries. It's a theory of mine. There's no way to prove it, but I don't know. Clark? Uh, the reason I said refrigerator and this ties into that is it, it feels like this is just a really long form version when we didn't really realize that she was a refrigerated character for Mystique. Mm. Mystique, the, the reason we even talk about Destiny ever is because of the connection between those two. Destiny would be off the screen, worthless waste of time if Mystique wasn't important in the world. It, it, it just, it, she doesn't seem like, to me, and it continues this way, doesn't seem like a character. She just seems like a body that they needed to make Mystique strive for something. Mm -hmm. Mystique, you know, wants this woman back. She wants, you know, this connection, this dead person that she loved. And that's what half of these stories we've read throughout the world are. It's just some guy sad that his wife was murdered. And then we have to follow him and understand him and feel for him, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's just that we happen to see this kind of in reverse order. We saw her alive for a long time, but have no personality. Ryan. When I started reading comics, I started around this era. So sort of like around the new X-Men time, sort of around the uh, extreme X-Men time. Extreme X-Men was not a good comic, but it was, <laughs> it was one of my first ones, unfortunately. Um, but I love Storm and I knew who Storm was. So I kept reading it. Um, with that all said, I, uh, the way they talked about a couple people in new X-Men, they talked about Jean Grey as being this great person that you need to know. And I've read some back issues, so I knew who Jean Grey was. Um, and I was eager to go back and read issues about her in the same way, because Extreme X-Men was about, in a weird way, destiny and what she wrote in those books. So I, <laughs> it was weird because back in the day, I think this is uh, maybe early 2000s, late nineties or something. And I, I was desperately trying to look for more Destiny type of stories. And they were so far and few between um, because she's so impactful in the X-Men lore. But you never see any of that, really, because she's in so little. So her purpose after her death is, I think, so much more than what she was before. Uh, with that all said, I think they truly do need to bring her back because she is so impactful and you want to know more about her you want to hear about these weird stupid things she says back in the day so it's it's uh, i i don't know it's it's a weird mixed bag because she's she her lore exceeds what she was actually in the comic so you, mm -hmm. you're looking for more all the time with her is how i feel personally yeah and then at, we talked about the destiny mystique relationship when it was implicit, but um, with now that it's explicitly stated, like, and we've seen their romance in the background all the time. There's one issue we didn't show you where it actually shows them for like a page raising rogue. Um, how does, how does it change your attitude to the character attitude towards the comics themselves with the characters in them? I'll, I'll jump uh, in. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really, um, got to see more of their relationship from these later comics because one I always questioned why Mystique was with such an older woman I mean there's no shade in that but I just was like why <laughs> and I learned that Mystique is actually much older and she just through her powers is maintaining a youthful appearance um, because they apparently met whatever in the 1800s allegedly or maybe early 1900s I don't quite remember the time frame exactly but I will say that I loved the death of Wolverine, Logan legacy, number six, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that was my favorite issue that we read in this, in this segment of history, because one, the writing was great and the art was amazing. So props mm -hmm. to that team. But um, you really got a sense that they were obviously a couple and they were trying to build a future together and they were, you know, they were working as a team and Logan just kept fucking everything up. 
but I, I really, really sensed that uh, happiness from Mystique. Like you, you only really see Mystique smile when she's around Destiny, and it gives you just a warm little fuzzy feeling. And so I really, I really love that about, especially in the, you see that a lot in the Death Wolverine issue. Wait, Chandler, are you saying people don't put artwork of their roommates standing right next to them in paintings in their houses? Because I thought that was just normal process for people living together. It's like the worst thing you do when you move in, right? I'm sorry. No, no. (laughs) You're not not reading into the subtext of these roommate (laughs) situations. Hey, 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 Adam, live, laugh, love with your roommate. Um, But... Uh, the the issue that Chandler was referring to, I loved it too because I didn't read it the first time around. This was the first time I read it when we were preparing for this podcast. Uh, and James Tinney in the fourth is a queer writer, so um, I think having somebody who is queer talking about a queer relationship is very very important. So um, you know, I, as I said, all the great things about Claremont and Simonson and and other eighties uh, X writers. You know, they were they were writing writing this couple as allies, and now finally we get to see somebody who actively is uh, looking to to put in representation in these comics. Clark, um, I've got two things. Have they did they ever explain how this? What she was born in somewhere between eighteen sixty and eighteen eighty. How how is this one hundred and forty year old woman crawling around still in the general? Because she can predict when cancer 200 year old happens and she avoids it. She's predicting which like vaccine to get and which one not to get. She's just really good at that kind of thing. Yeah. I was always very confused by that. Um, number two. I forgot what number two is, P.S. Oh, no, I have forgotten. No. Someone else talk for a minute and I will remember. Hey, oh, be no, honest. Are you Destiny? Be honest. Be honest. <laughs> the way you speak is very similar. Am, Just tell am, us of your destiny. You couldn't ask for a better joke. It really was. I am, the, I am the, the dead version of her, yes. Coming in 2022, um, Homo Superior, the quest for Clark's diaries. Going, going through this, I feel like going through the last stuff, I feel like um, Mystique has kind of dragged Destiny through the mud in a way. Hmm. Like for, at the beginning, you know, Destiny is all about like, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Make sure you don't do that. Don't get it. Don't get a line here. And then the next one's just like, I'm fine with you killing 85 people. Um, steal all this money. I love you. And I'm like, so is she also, is she just garbage? That just happens to be, I, it was very strange from someone who was seemingly reasonable, but kind of ineffective, um, un, unaffecting, I should say, to what she became. And I, that was a great comic as um, we were talking about, but it made me not like not like her as a human being. As a character, yes. As a human being, no. Well, and I do think that that's be yeah. I think that's part of the problem of them not getting forward momentum is that they keep having to put in all these backward momentum that doesn't really have. It's like they're getting to almost rewrite how and where they want the people to feel like. Because I agree, Clark, that like I'm inherently bought in to the fact that they're supposed to be in love. Mm-hmm. But besides them saying to each other that they're in love and, and like just knowing Mystique overall and being like, oh, she's getting to be nice with this. Per-. Everyone always loves like when the bad boy or bad girl or bad person like has that softer side. But it is also like, are they both just bad people? Are they both not actually that bad? Did something cause them to have to keep going further and further into this? Like, you also just don't get that much, like take, you know, give me more, take them out, go out to dinner, like do more stuff that like allows me to see the banter, the romance, the chemistry. Cause it's a lot of like, as unexpositiony as Wolverine was, it was also still expositiony on the thing that matters most, which is their relationship. Chandler. Um, I just was going to say that I think they were always both just horrible people and we just have to accept that because they like hook up, you know, whatever in the late 18th, 1800s, early 1900s. I guess that's, that's nebulous, but, and don't they start just like running Ponzi schemes based off of Irene's powers? Like, I really (laughs) feel like they, they, they start using her ability to manipulate 
people and gain fortune and just be horrible people. They're not doing it for good. They're not solving anything on the betterment of anybody else except for themselves. And then obviously things keep going wrong. And allegedly that's why Mystique has a bad personality and throws her own baby over a waterfall. But <laughs> <laughs> when to, to your point about like realizing that, you know, whatever she being a little distasted by her attitude in, in uh, Death of Wolverine, I, I totally felt like it's exactly in character that they're just both swindly old ladies. I like that swindly old ladies. Yeah. Yes, Mystique is old. I think we need to just accept that, even though she doesn't it's look very. Good. No, it's very Thelma and Louise or Sid and Nancy. Yeah. If Sid was also a woman, a shape change. You know, and this, just to add to all this confusion, we have the whole reveal that blindfold is something, an ancestor of some kind. She mentions great granddaughter of, of Destiny. Also, I didn't know until recently that that Destiny has a grandson named Trevor Chase. So she yeah. has a, I don't know whether, so she has a, a daughter, excuse me, a son named Cole. So how many fucking kids she has crawling around and how is that working with Mystique um, being married to her and I don't know what's going on with all this. Well, just to just to fill in a little bit of my Wikipedia knowledge on it is that they, there's an unexplored number of multiple relationships that Mystique and Irene both had. Yes. They met, then they separated, and then they rejoined again at the Brotherhood. Oh, okay. So, so they they they've they've had m many other iterations, I guess, of lovers and and children and and whatnot. Obviously, Mystique has a number of kids, as we know, and I guess Irene also has a number of kids. Yeah, so much like uh, they're unhealthy for society, they're also in an unhealthy relationship as well. Just going <laughs> and doing it up and down, terrorist attack, having a baby, like they don't care. Murder your child. Let's not shame polyamory here. You know, they, I'm not. They found I think they're bad people, not polyamory. <laughs> okay, <laughs> they're fair, bad fair, people fair, fair. in a great a relationship form. But they're <laughs> yeah. super interesting. So that's why we're captivated by them. Hey, Kaylin. Oh, what, Adam, what's up? The only thing I have to say in this is that we're talking a lot of shit on Destiny's powers, but if anything, these com these three comics have taught me is that Blindfold like, is even fucking worse. The fact that everyone on that team is just like, this bitch doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Why are we following her here? Oh, great. She's running off. Like, and, and I, the only time I really experienced Blindfold was when I, you know, we, we read, uh, it was her death during... I get what is it, uh, Rosen Rosenberg's run or whatever. The most like Matthew Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When she she pieced out, and I was just like, what a sad. Everything about this woman's life is just the saddest thing on the planet. <laughs> I mean, that's why I like Blindfold because she's just a mess. Like, this woman, I mean, uh, Blind. Excuse me. Destiny doesn't seem like a mess of a human being. I like Blindfold because she's absolutely bonkers. Great. That's all I had to say. I was just like, "What right. the fuck is happening?" Horrible. Anyways, uh, hey, Kalen, what's up? What's what's going on with Hickman's era? All right. So now we're getting to the modern era, and uh, and this is appropriate because with Adam talking about blindfold, there's a reason why precogs aren't allowed on Krakoa because they're fucking messes. Like they don't get anything right. Uh, but um, so for this section, we read or reread actually House of X number two. Powers of 10, number six, and then X-Men, the current volume, number six. So in House of X and Powers of 10, we discover that Moira McTaggart is a mutant with the power of reincarnation. And during her third life, Moira finds a cure to eliminate the mutant gene. Uh, the Brotherhood captures her and Destiny gives her a warning before killing her, change or die. According to Destiny's vision, uh, Moira has 10 lives, maybe 11 if she makes the right choice at the end. And in her 10th life, which is the current timeline, uh, Moira, Charles Xavier, and Magneto set up Krakoa as the new home for all mutants and create the resurrection protocols so that any mutant essentially has immortality, except precogs, as I said earlier. Moira explicitly prohibits precogs from living on Krakoa, specifically Destiny, which <laughs> creates a bit of a sticky wicket because Mystique only agrees to help Xavier and Magneto and serve on the Quiet Council if they agree to bring back destiny so they are just using her they're using the resurrection of destiny as bait that they don't plan on on ever fulfilling so we find out that prior to her death destiny told mystique about krakoa and that charles and magneto 
will promise to bring her back to life, but they'll do everything they can not to honor their word. They want Mystique and Destiny blind for some reason, but both of them were born to see. Destiny wants Mystique to bring her back, and if she can't, she must burn Krakoa to the ground. So first question, uh, what do you think of this retcon? Is it consistent with Destiny's previous appearances? Adam. Yeah, we just said they were like two old biddies that were pissed off and just trying to fucking rule the world in their own way. So I feel like it all kind of makes sense. I actually appreciated how like uh, whatever in the third life, how she was like, I fucking know, bitch. Don't you dare. Don't you dare try to do this again because I'll come for you, bitch. Uh, so I like that a lot. I th- I think it's a really cool setup. It's certainly this like building powder keg that we're all desperate uh, to see what's going to happen. So I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see where this might take them, Chandler. Yeah, I, just to back you up, I, I thought that I think I think I probably the amount of dialogue that she says in those few pages in House of X2 is more than anything she said her entire <laughs> life in comics. Yeah. Like, she yeah. let it all out. She let tea spill out of her mouth. She was, yeah, I love how she was just like, I am older than you. I'm always going to have my mutant power before you manifest. I will find you as a young baby and put you out of your misery. So, like you, like you said, she has always been a bitch, basically. And I think we just kind of get a reaffirmation that, that she's just a horrible human. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, yeah, it's funny because can you can you burn can can you burn her alive slow though? Slow, slower, slow, like I love that um, crazy scene. It's a it's a wild scene. Um, yeah, she is a terrible person. Um, she also uh, I like because she's inevitably going to get resurrected. I'm spoilers. I don't know anything. She's going to get resurrected, blow everything up. Everything's going to go awry, and then we'll be murdered once again. So she's going to get retconned in ten years again. Like this is what X Men is, and I love it she is playing the reason why she is such a great character and so essential to the x-men is because she plays into all of this so well because a writer will find just one loose thread of a baby of a dialogue and just (laughs) run with it and just make a whole fucking storyline that lasts 12 issues and it should have been six like I love, I love this character. She's phenomenal. She's the best of the best. Um, and I, I can't wait to see what happens and then re-see what happens after it gets wrecked. <laughs> I, I, I have to confess that I've had a vision. <laughs> I've seen the future. Ooh. And I, but later this year, we're gonna see this all addressed, Ooh. and no. they're gonna bring back, calling it inferno and charles and magneto are gonna have to talk to moira and be like listen this is happening and there's nothing you can do to stop it so that's a is that a prediction taylor or do you actually do you have insider knowledge or are you just raising your eyebrows at me now okay (laughs) all right (laughs) taylor after the podcast (laughs) yeah right Or, or during during is fine too So kind of leading to that, so we mentioned earlier that the reason we are, you know, doing this class X about who is destiny, uh, the issue of X-Men that's supposed to come out this week, uh, X-Men number 20, uh, while it has uh, Nimrod on the cover, if you've seen the previews, uh, there it is supposed to focus in on Mystique again. Again, this is the kind of the follow-up to X-Men number six, which we just talked about. what do you think is going to happen? I mean, Ms. I mean, Chandler, you're in the know, so you can just tell us, like, you know, Inferno, <laughs> Disco Inferno, uh, Boogaloo happening here. But, like, what do you guys think could happen? Why, why did the Quiet Council need Mystique? Do we need her? No one's friends with her. Well, they use her very distinctly in those missions to the Mother Mold. Find um, some better so- ones. I mean, they could have used a different shapeshifter, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. Are there in? Who she betrays them, and they actually talk about that fact that she's so, betraying all these different islands and stuff because it's not Krakoa that the burned to the ground. Any of them that don't work out need to be burned to the ground. So my prediction, or my my theory rather, is that it's better to have Mystique 
pissing out of the tent and then pissing in. Uh, and so they know that like she um, she will fuck things up and they just want to keep her close. And yeah, but this is it's like a having little, a catheter bag and then just waiting for it to explode as it's sitting in your bedroom. I didn't say it was a good idea. I'm just saying it's their idea. I just think it's obviously going to blow up in their face. I mean, like we've got Chekhov's gun after Chekhov's gun here. Uh, and it's going to get it's going to be fired at some point. It's just that's the reason why it's like it's the same reason why. I mean, Sinister is also like as untrustworthy, but he is more valuable because of the DNA stuff. But um but like you have like um, you have all of these people who are really untrustworthy on the quiet council and kind of goes back to some of the other conversations we've had on this podcast about how the inherent flaws in Krakoa and the way that they've set up this government, you have, you know, people who are not altruistic on the governing board. Adam, quick point, And then we'll turn. Yeah, it to I, say, I mean, like Xavier and Magneto are two people kind of running the ship. When the fuck has anything the two of them done in the yeah. past 30 years of comics succeeded? So it's actually very fitting that they would be like, oh, yeah, 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 we got this. Don't worry. We'll keep, we, we'll, we'll take care of Mystique. And it's like, yeah, no, of course you won't, you idiots. <laughs> I just love how salty Moira is. I mean, she's oh, yeah. so salty at, at Destiny. You know that there's no reason why. There's zero reason why we can't have precogs on the island except that Moira says so. You know, and the only reason why she doesn't want them because, you know, she's doing the right thing. She's helping mutants. That's all right. Destiny wanted. But she's just being a salty bee because she's just like, she, you know, burned me slow. So I'm going to keep her dead as long as I can. And all precogs are basically related to destiny oh, and she fucking yeah. hates destiny so she's like fuck them all none of them can be revived Her i would love if line. that was the reasoning like she's just it's the, she's just spicy ryan yeah. it's the chicago way your mother's dead your father's dead your yeah. pets they're dead yes i mean if someone threatened me as a baby i would not let them be resurrected ever either <laughs> okay but you're the one Fair usually enough. doing the threatening to kill. I mean, I was the baby threatening people. Yeah. Sure. What if I was yeah. a baby and you threatened me? I joined a yeah. podcast with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's you have to. Ryan Krull always playing the long game. Uh, so Destiny mentioned that Moira uh, in 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 Housewives number two could have an eleventh life if she made the right choice at the end. I've always been curious because you know we read this issue a couple of years ago for the first time, what do you think that choice could be to give her an 11th life? I think she's made it. I mean, I think by uniting Xavier and Magneto and getting the whole all mutant dumb together, I mean, I feel like that is, you know, if, if Destiny's argument was that she was against her own kind, she is now definitely for her own kind by bringing them all together and not letting them war. So to me, I feel like she already did it and it's just a loose plot thread so that they can restart everything if they feel like it and be like, well, <laughs> right. we said back then that there's an 11th life. So, you know, now we have a new 616-1, whatever. Eight, and yeah. if they ever want to do the like, we're going to do another alternate timeline. Just kidding. This is an alternate timeline. This is the 11th life. And then they still go back to the 10th mm -hmm. or some shit like that. You know that shit's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I will rip up all my X-Men comics if that happens. I'd be so angry. But I don't think they first. <laughs> yeah. No, I, then, I'll, then I'll rip them up in front of your face. Um, this you question ties too much into all the new 52 situations and stuff like that. I, I don't uh, know how to talk about the 11th life without being like, they're not going to do it. Like if they do it, yeah. it's gonna be either, as you said, like its own miniseries or it'll be quote unquote heaven or some shit like that. Because <laughs> they're not going to reboot all of Marvel dumb for Moira. Maybe not. <laughs> Better so not. So I guess, well, then related to that is, let's say you are assigned by Marvel to write a series of X books about Moira's 11th life. What would you do? Uh, mine would be a one shot where it's a deep dive into Moira as a child on the last page destiny shows up and she's like, just kidding, bitch. And then kills her. And then, so that way it really closes the loop. And she's like, that's what you get for not resurrecting me. So she only gets the 11th life. If she doesn't resurrect destiny, and it's a full circle. Fuck you from two of the most like 
uh, grudge-bearing people that seemingly exist in this comic series. Caleb? So for me, um, this is so stupid, but I'm going to go with it, is it's the uh, post credit sequence of Eternals. And guess who pops up? It's Rose Byrne as Moira McTaggart and saying, <laughs> this is my 11th life. And this is how the all Ew. the X-Men are coming into the Ew. MCU. You, I know you all want to kill me. Uh, <laughs> bring yeah, back your comic Jesus Christ, that was awful. <laughs> I told you it wasn't good. All right. So uh, wrapping up. Wait, what have we wait, oh, wait, I, I have I haven't done it, and neither have I. Oh, piece of shit. oh sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think y'all wanted to go, but go ahead, go ahead, Chandler. I just, I, I have something that I wanted to bring up a little hot goss from uh, the earlier issues that we didn't get into in part one. So, in one of the issues in the 200s, I can't remember which one, there's a news team that goes to cover whatever the x-men and there's that whole ethereal weirdness going on is that inferno yes inferno sorry this is the inferno line there's a news reporter her name is manoli there is also a character named manoli that looks exactly like her in new mutants 21 and we did this issue on our podcast and we had a guest uh, named Bill Sinkevich, who is the artist of Whoa. that issue. And he told us that Manoli is modeled after Chris Claremont's ex-girlfriend. Whoa. Uh, that is some hot goss. And also, thank you for pronouncing cool. his last name, because I can never get it right. Sinkevich. Sinkevich. Oh. Sinkevich. 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 Right. Repeat it after me. Sinkevich. Now, do you think this character is destiny under the mask? Is that what you're basically implying right now? I think so. <laughs> no, you don't. I, I appreciate you agreeing. <laughs> I just thought I thought it was a wild fact that we have Claremont's ex girlfriend immortalized in comics. So you know, date a Marvel writer, and then you are forever in an issue. That's, That's so crazy. Cool. So, so tingling for for my version of Moira's eleventh life. I just want like some pieces of paper with her face on them and then I just throw them in a river. And that's, that's all. <laughs> Real meta ending to the X-Men comic series. <laughs> yeah. And then it just, you filmed that river flowing for like 45 minutes. No lie, but that's how Grant Morrison ended his run on Animal Man. Well, he and I are same, same, simpatico. <laughs> very much so, very, mm -hmm. uh, very much so. Um, all right, so, uh, let's uh, go to our wrap up what have we learned today and i want to ask chandler uh what he thinks he learned today about destiny well or about i've anything. definitely learned i've learned that destiny yeah has been a a, a bitter old bee for the, her whole life and that she is a wonderfully horrible person and i uh, appreciate her though i want to say I never understood how she actually wrote the diaries if she, well, I guess she was just visually impaired, meaning she could have wore glasses. But I feel like they say that she basically is blind when she's born and then she's permanently blind after she writes them. But I'm just like, yeah, how is this written? So that's the only thing that I have not learned is how did she physically write the diaries? Do you think she put a period on the last sentence and she's like, I'm immediately blind? <laughs> maybe maybe but no, maybe like, that's I, for, that's class x part two yeah, yeah they made it sound like she chat like i just assumed it's like you know you see a vision in your mind and you like i guess someone had to keep sliding her sheets of paper probably mystique that's what she got <laughs> just to like Aww, that's turn the, cute. Page, press the page. i still ship them i still want them together <laughs> yeah they're they're assholes in love and you can't it's never there's nothing wrong with that mm -hmm. i assume uh chandler i assume she wrote it in braille Oh, with like a puncher? Yeah. No, but she wrote it, she supposedly wrote it in unknown languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. And images. If, it was very like... Unknown Braille languages. It was very like Eldritch to me, I think. Like she only saw, she just saw visions in her mind. And, you know, like in fucking like, what all I can think of is the number 23, but like those shitty movies where, or Stir of Echoes, where people always like, are scribbling on walls and shit. That's just kind of what I pictured her all She's this got Cthulhu like. coming out of the back of her, like screaming and vomiting or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And that's what we learned. (laughs) Very, very educational. Well, Chandler, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you let everybody know where they can find you and find X-Reads? Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Please have me back whenever you'd like. (laughs) My podcast is called X Reads, the podcast. You can find us on social media platforms at at X-Read, that's X-R-E-A-D-S podcast. And you can find our show on your podcast platform of choice. All right. And as far as Homo Superior goes, you can find us on Twitter at Homo Superior X and Instagram at Homo Superior Podcast. Uh, And you can catch our regular episodes every Friday uh, where podcasts are found. Uh, Also check out uh, Bar Sinister, which we've launched uh, in the last few weeks for... uh, um, uh, x-men and other superhero related cocktails and at some point we're gonna have vicky and kiana uh for talking more uh that's gonna show up sometime this year i'm sure right yes well, please. Thank- <laughs> well thank you for listening class dismissed <laughs>